and interactive, and then it moved to music, and then gaming, and everything else, so. Crazy. Yeah. Okay, um, I guess, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. I have some questions. Uh, thank you again for doing this so much. <laughs> yeah. All right, um, I don't know how to start this. Kate usually always does all the starting, so I'll let her figure that out. Um, I guess I'll just go ahead and start, and then do, um, and then how do you want me to introduce you, I guess? Uh, any way you want. Oh, okay. <laughs> totally up to you. Wow, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, I guess we'll... Kate, have you started all the recording stuff here? I know yes, she's on mute. Yes, I've started all the recording stuff, and you can... The intro should be fair. Just say, you know, you're doing an interview about Apollo 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much you liked Apollo 11. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I usually... I, he's completely right. I handle all the intro stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Ooh, All right. So, Todd, are you still here? I am. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. Sorry. I, yeah. My, I, I've never used Skype, so <laughs> it's confusing me. But yes, all of the recording stuff is already up and going. So, okay. Feel cool. Free to start whenever. Okay. All right. So I'll do a little intro, introduce you, and then we'll cut, get started into the normal stuff. Sounds all right. Good. All right. Here we go. Um. Hello today, welcome to But Why the Other Podcast, and today we are going to sit down with Apollo 11 uh, director and producer uh, Todd Douglas Miller. Um, um, thank you for coming on. <laughs> thanks for having me. Uh, thanks. Uh, so I did get this chance to see your film at South by Southwest, and it was by far the best film I saw all week. <laughs> so, Oh, thanks. That's, uh, that's high praise. Yeah. Um, so please bear with me. Um, I have I'm recovering from South by, so it's a long time, but uh, hopefully this should be a lot of fun. So I guess the first question I want to ask you, obviously, pretty, probably you get this all the time. Uh, what inspired you to make this film? Well, we had started uh, uh, with a short film uh, on Apollo 17 um, that we did uh, for CNN Films, tail end of 2016. Um, and the question uh, was raised uh, in the team uh, at the tail end of that project is, uh, could we do the same thing uh, with the materials from Apollo 11? Uh, knowing there was a lot uh, in existence at the time, um, we did have uh, some... Uh, some footage uh, that was uh, never before uh, seen with audio recording uh, was sunk up uh, for the first time. Uh, so we had probably about like five or six uh, clips, and um, uh, we ended up just kind of doing it as, a, as an editing exercise. Uh, I was working very closely with uh, one of our archive producers, Stephen Slater, uh, who's, who's based in the U.K., um, and Stephen had really made it his, his mission in life to, to sync up a lot of this stuff. Um, the early Apollo missions had no, no audio on them uh, uh, with regards to mission control. So um, he was using uh, a lot of the air-to-ground air uh, transmissions in the loops uh, that were recorded in mission control uh, to sync all of that stuff up. So we kind of started with that. Um, and it was it was purely an editing exercise. We really didn't know if it would work uh, to 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 expand it into uh, a ninety minute or, or two hour feature length film. Um, but as we started working with the materials, um, uh, we found that uh, uh, you know we we had more than enough uh, to work with. Um, and then uh, CNN was actually interested in uh, this gets into. Uh, uh, right around the early part of 2017, 
they said they wanted a moon landing video uh, and for broadcast. And I, I was resistant at first. I thought, you know, maybe um, it would be a little bit um, uh, too uh, arty for them. Uh, we, we definitely wanted it to be more of a um, uh, direct cinema experience, uh, even though we knew we were introducing sound design and score into it. Uh, but we really wanted uh, audiences to feel like, uh, you know, they were a fly on the wall for the ride. Um, so that began, um, you know, uh, a long uh, research project um, with uh, NASA uh, through their chief uh, historian's office um, and also the National Archives, which is the end repository for um, a lot of uh, film uh, that gets shot by the government, in this case, uh, NASA. Wow, that's a lot. Um, so I guess how long did it, I guess, take to put all this together then? <laughs> well, we first started... Um, uh, you know, it was about the, the project uh, from inception to completion was about three years, uh, three years and some change. Um, but we started with the idea to just collect and research everything that was available to us. So we had, you know, every, um, you know, every uh, frame of film, uh, even the TV broadcasts, whether they were network or um you know, they, they broadcast um, uh, via slow scan television uh, from the command module and the lunar module. Uh, so we had all that. We had all the stills. Um, they shot over a thousand uh, Hasselblad images during the course of the mission from space. Um, and then certainly all the ground-based uh, photography and cinematography. So that included the launch, uh, recovery operations, and some of the pre-launch activities. Um, so all of that stuff combined, we laid out into a timeline, uh, which uh, once we were done with, uh, with it, um, basically stretched uh, nine days. The mission itself was eight days and some change, but uh, in effect, our timeline was nine days. Um, and then, of course, we had all the training uh, uh, footage as well and some of the post-flight activities, which included um, a world tour. Uh, that they went on for about a year, uh, the astronauts. Uh, then they visited some of the various facilities that had built uh, the command module, lunar module, Saturn V. Uh, so we had some footage from that. Um, but the real, the scope of the project changed immensely uh, once we were alerted to, uh, via the National Archives and their uh, motion picture division, um, the existence of this uh, large format uh, film collection. Um, and then it, it became uh, more about uh, working with them um, to not only, uh, you know, uh, scan these images, uh, but to preserve them and curate them properly uh, and ultimately um, help to archive them as well. And it just so happened that the company that uh, we're based in, uh, we're based in Brooklyn, New York, uh, the company that uh, our, our post uh, house that does a lot of our conform and, and color for our films uh, was getting into the film scanning uh, business. Uh, a lot of companies were getting out of it um, and they had made the decision to develop some newer technologies to be able to um, to scan uh, this large format film, which uh, before was a very costly endeavor. Uh, it was also um, not the safest thing in the world. Uh, these guys had um, uh, our team had uh, technology that uh, enabled us not to actually touch any of the negative of the film. Um, wow. So we were able to, um, to use um, a wide variety of different flavors of large format, which ultimately uh, we ended up uh, doing on the project. So that was kind of one part of it. And then the second part was um, as we progressed, uh, right around the same time, um, we were alerted to uh, a... 
uh, uh, speech recognition project that was being done at the University of Texas, Dallas, um, for uh, a large segment of uh, audio uh, from Mission Control that, that, that was uncatalogued at the time. So uh, there was uh, roughly about 18,000 hours uh, of that that was directly related to uh, the Apollo project. Uh, 11,000 hours of that was Apollo 11. Um, so then um, we got our hands on that uh, right around um, uh, in, in 2017, um, uh, right before it left NASA's export control. So again, working with NASA and some of the other researchers to identify exactly what was on there, uh, try to uh, generate transcripts for it, um, and then incorporate it into the film. That just is amazing. It sounds like a lot of work. Within all these like hours, thing, was there any actual difficulty getting any of the footage, or would you guys have access to like everything to be able to do all this? Uh, yeah. So I mean, initially we were we were um, we wanted to scan uh, everything that was available to. Uh, that was, you know, Apollo 11 related. Uh, and at the time that meant all the 16 and the 35 millimeter. We basically were just gonna up the quality of it all, uh, knowing that all of it had been seen before. Um, I just wasn't happy with the, uh, with the quality of it. We knew at the time we were probably gonna go for an IMAX release. So uh, obviously quality was paramount. Um, and some of the, you know, newer, uh, this scanning technology that Final Frame, our post house, had developed um, uh, would allow us to, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint, be able to, uh, uh, you know, get that higher quality. Um, so, um, but no one had really tried to quantify exactly how much uh, was in there. Um, one thing you realize when you start dipping into the archival system, um, in any archival system, uh, it's it's scattered, uh, and particularly with something like this, there was you know there was a lot of coverage. It's arguably the you know the greatest achievement in, in humankind. So uh, a lot of the materials were spread around the different NASA facilities and also uh, within the National Archive Network. So you would have some archivists that knew you know a piece of this here, maybe a piece of that there. Um, Steven Slater, our archive producer, spent uh, the summer of 2017 um, on a research trip uh, working with their team uh, to, uh, to qu try to quantify all, everything that was available. Um, and at that time, uh, we did know about the, uh, this discovery of the 65 millimeter material. Uh, so it was also uh, trying to include that um, and, and try to quantify it. And then try to find the providence of all of this stuff. Where, where was it shot? Who shot it? Who was responsible for it? Uh, what condition was all this stuff in? Uh, so we can, you know, prepare a master, what we call the master scanning list, um, and then start to uh, prepare uh, the transport of all these materials, um, you know, from D.C. up to New York, um, so we could, you know, our team could begin to work with it. Wow. <laughs> Just put away, like, how... I mean, all the hard work you all did and how much time it took, because, I mean, obviously I've seen it, and it's amazing. Um, I guess doing all this footage, you've talked about, like, there was 1,100 hours and everything. So what all did you, I guess, what was the process of taking all this footage and audio and everything and making it? Like, like what did you, just trying to say, how did you know what to put in for the, like, two-hour film? Like, what was going into that 90 minutes? Was there anything that you left out? Well, we, uh, yeah, certainly there, there, there was a lot that we, 
be left out. Um, uh, but we wanted to know, you know, just having researched not only, um, you know, the footage itself and knowing what we have, but also just the stories. You talk to the astronauts, you talk to mission controllers. Um, there are certain things that had been... Um, that had uh, been in books, articles, interviews uh, with all of them that hadn't made it into either fiction or nonfiction films. So a lot of it was working backwards from a story uh, standpoint. Um, uh, things that I wanted to see. Uh, for instance, when they, they launch and they go uh, into Earth orbit, um, uh, you know, they, they uh, orbit the Earth uh, a couple revolutions before they light the J-2 engine uh, to go to the moon. And when they do that, it's called the translunar injection maneuver, uh, just a fancy way of, you know, saying they let, lit the candle, um, you know, on the engine. Um, but it's a, it's a very big deal. Um, and mostly, uh, in all the Apollo, uh, for the majority of the Apollo missions, it was done on the dark side of the Earth. Uh, and uh, Gene Cernan on Apollo 17 described it as TLI and right into sunrise. So all of them witnessed this amazing sunrise that that had happened. Uh, Armstrong on the uh, Neil Armstrong on the onboard audio says um, uh, we're going, and it, it's it's in the film. He says uh, we're crossing right over the Terminator, meaning the the line of demarcation on the Earth from uh, the dark into the light, um, and we had never seen that depicted before. Um, so. It was, again, going back into the archive, knowing that we had some audio uh, to, to, uh, to utilize for that scene, um, and then finding um, a, uh, you know, a, a shot. Um, we actually found a couple of shots, um, not from Apollo 11, but from some other missions. We could show it to you know, Mike Collins and to Buzz Aldrin and say, is this what it looked like? Is this what you know, that, that TLI maneuver felt like? Um, get their validation, um, and then, um, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, ultimately uh, keep it in the film. Uh, so a lot of what we wanted to show, um, narratively speaking, was kind of w working backwards from these little moments that we were finding in the archive that hadn't been either seen or heard before. Awesome. I guess kind of going off of that, was there anything outside of that that you kind of wanted to highlight that people might not have been known about from Apollo 11? Yeah, um, you know Neil Armstrong had. You, you, there's a scene in the film where we um, we show a solar corona uh, that happened um, uh, on, the, on the way to the moon, um, and uh, Neil Armstrong had talked about it um, in some interviews. Uh, you know, the question was, "What was your most idyllic moment from the mission?" It wasn't, you know, putting a, a, the first footprint down on the moon. It wasn't. Uh, uh, you know, the launch or anything else. It was actually um, seeing this uh, solar corona that happened on the way to the moon. Uh, Buzz Aldrin had talked about it. Michael Collins had talked about it. Um, it's just this kind of once-in-a-lifetime thing. You hear them going crazy on the onboard audio over it. Um, uh, Neil on the onboard says it's worth the price of the trip. Um, so, again, we hadn't seen it depicted, um, and we wanted to depict it. So, again, we, you know, in a screening, we actually uh, showed the scene to Buzz. Um, you know, he said, wow, it kind of looked like that, but, you know, it was a little bit more, you know, we were back a little bit more, uh, so we can go back, work with it a little bit, um, you know, just get it right into the sweet spot, and then um, uh, be able to accurately portray exactly what they saw. Um, other than that, there's a ton of stuff we just couldn't fit in, um, you know, in just the, the course of the edit. Um, 
there was, for instance, there was a 26-year-old um, uh, Texas uh, mathematician named Poppy Northcutt um, who gets on comm at, at one point during the mission. Um, uh, she's working in the back room, uh, and she basically schools this, this older uh, flight controller in the front room uh, with math uh, on why <laughs> his trajectories are off. Um, and it's this great, this great little moment. She all, she ended up being uh, uh, very important in the front room uh, on Apollo uh, 13 um, and, and getting the guys back. Um, so little moments like that, that'll end up, uh, of course, on, you know, uh, DVD, Blu-ray uh, and some extras. Um, but uh, 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 there's, there's just so much, you know, little, little things uh, that, you know, that we found uh, that wouldn't necessarily make it. And, you know, um, we didn't either, either have footage to support it um, or just didn't go into the flow of the way that the, uh, you know, the film was edited. Um, but certainly there's, there's a lot. Awesome. I know one of my favorite moments, I don't think even when Kate and I were watching, she didn't realize that uh, they didn't have much fuel left. <laughs> and so just watching the countdown of like between impact or landing and then fuel was great for me. Um, nope. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was definitely, um, that was actually, they called it the bingo um, uh, uh, command, basically. So that's, you know, they, ha they would have had to abort if, um, uh, you know, the landing, they had just enough fuel to get back, um, you know, into orbit. Um, but I think if you were to ask uh, Buzz or Neil if they were going to abort, they would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, so we had, um, what was it like, because obviously, I guess the score, I love the score, and I guess working with, like, Matt Morton and putting all the sound editing and everything together, what was that like? Because I know it's, the sounding and editing and score is amazing. Yeah, we talked early on. I mean, as as much as um, uh, you know, it's such a pleasure to work with Matt. We've known each other since you know, since we were kids. We grew up together, um, and so we just have a shorthand. Uh, I, I'd never have to worry about what you know he's working on. Um, the only difference between the way we normally work with what we worked with or how we worked here was uh, we did a lot of um, uh, predominantly uh, pre-scoring. Uh, so typically, we'll do a post-score. I'll edit a sequence. Uh, with temp music, send it to him, and then he'll post-score it all in. Uh, with this, um, he wanted to do the entire score with uh, period instrumentation. Uh, so there wasn't anything that he used on the score that was around later than 1969. Uh, and that included uh, kind of the, uh, the, the, the machine that did the weight of the score was um, a Moog synthesizer that he got. Um, it was a <clears throat> 1968 Vogue um, synthesizer that got reissued a few years ago. Um, so he utilized that, um, and uh, uh, it was just amazing to get these like hour-long compositions. And then we would end up, um, I could end up, you know, just uh, really using that stuff as the bedrock uh, for the entire. Uh, you know, tone of the film, the structure of certain scenes, um, and then all of us had worked together for so long. So, uh, Eric Milano, our sound designer, um, who initially we, we were going to hire a pretty big sound department, um, but we ended up just working on it so long. Uh, and Eric, uh, he just he, he's just got he's such a skilled um, sound designer, foley artist, re-record mixer, all the different things. I don't even know you know what they are, um, but he does it all uh so uh and it just it just and me him and matt have worked um all three of us together on so many projects so 
Um, and we knew that, uh, you know, we just wanted everything to be as accurate as possible. And then uh, creatively uh, with Matt's music, we wanted it to be integrated into the film as much as possible. Um, and then there was times, particularly in some of the space sequences where we didn't have a whole lot to go on uh, with the sound design, but we knew that the music could could either simulate emotion or be, um, you know, almost uh, the design of what the rocket um, or the engine was doing or the atmosphere. Um, so we, we, we spent a long time just uh, working on, you know, getting all these different scenes, right? Particularly with um, uh, some of the, anytime an engine would fire, uh, which was always very important um, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, during the landing as well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it's fantastic. I think I'll do amazing. I know I keep repeating myself. Sorry. I just, I enjoyed this film a lot. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, what are you hoping for the impact of this film would be? Well, um, I think like everyone else, um, you know, we, you know, we kind of laugh amongst ourselves. It's the, the only time we get a reprieve is if we like, we get to go to the screenings and, and sit there and watch the film. And, Usually, you know, you're by the end, by the end of um, you know, you make a project, you know, you make a film, you've worked on it for years, and you know, the last thing you want to do is watch it. Um, but this one, we just watch it every single time, um, and I'm just constantly amazed at uh, you know what a um, to sit in a theater and and you know just ex have this communal experience, something I really haven't had. You know, as I remember going to, you know, uh, kind of big event films as a kid, and that's kind of what it feels like. And I'm not saying it because we made it, but I'm just, I'm so proud of, uh, you know, the team, uh, everybody that, you know, just brought their A game to, to make it happen. But probably most importantly, um, you know, just witnessing, uh, you know, what's up on the screen that... You know, there was just hundreds of thousands of people just spread across uh, the country and the world that all came together uh, to make this thing happen. And it's, it's just an extraordinary accomplishment. Um, and I hope that people, you know, uh, take away a very positive message um, that, you know, when we all come together, we can accomplish something great like this. Awesome. Thank Yeah. Thank you. Um, I feel like that's what I got from watching it, for sure. Um I guess I have about one more question. It's kind of one of those kind of unique to us, but um, outside of I guess Apollo Eleven, what is your favorite thing in pop culture? My favorite thing in pop culture. Um, uh, well, as you can see, uh, I'm not too good on <laughs> social media, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've been stuck in a time machine in 1969 <laughs> for the last three years. <laughs> um, I got to say, uh, you know, I'm a music, uh, you know, I'm, I, I just love music. So, um, and I'm just fascinated by the diversity of music um, that's around now. When I was a kid, um, you know, we just didn't have much, uh, you know, it was cassettes. And I remember, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the CD hit. So <laughs> it was a big deal then. And now to know, um, you know, just the... Uh, the different avenues with music and you like this you can get that and um and even live music's evolved uh and i love going to you know see performances so um i would say uh you know music is is definitely um uh, uh my favorite thing do you have a favorite musician of this time at all yeah, that's a tough one um you know, I uh, I tend to like heavier things, um, so uh, you know I 
Matt Morton right now is my favorite musician. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we are doing a vinyl release uh, with this soundtrack, so it should be really oh. cool. Matt's doing an entire um, uh, remastered uh, vinyl edition that'll be out uh, towards the anniversary, which is, uh, I think it's going to be out the day before, so July 19th. Uh, 2019 uh, so keep a lookout for that oh for sure um but that is about all i have um is there any i guess last things you want to let people know about your movie <laughs> your film? no catch it on the biggest screen that you can um you know it's 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 not only going to be on uh you know uh, uh some imac screens uh they're talking about bringing it back throughout the year uh, which would be really great but see it in a you know see it in a theater um, and then we're also, uh, we're doing a, a science center, um, and museum version, um, that's going to be available in May. Uh, so, uh, for everybody that likes to go, you know, uh, watch, you know, go down to your local museum or your science center, uh, some of the NASA facilities, uh, will have an IMAX giant screen version of the film as well. Uh, and then, uh, CNN will be broadcasting it, um, around the anniversary, uh, starting in June. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking this time to talk about Apollo 11 um, and coming on here. Yeah, and thank you so much for the kind words and spreading the message of the film. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, but, yeah, um, I guess I guess we'll get out of here and let you go on with your day. Um, once again, Kate always closes this out. So um, can you tell everybody, I guess since you obviously are not social media, but if anybody would like to find you, uh, tell them where they can. Yeah, so uh, Apollo11movie.com uh, is the place to go for all the, all the film-related uh, info. Awesome. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Um, Kate, are you still there? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes, I'm still here. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank right, you again. I'm still here. Yeah, yes, thanks again, yes, guys. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, don't. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so, that's all I have. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's it. And I'll get with Allison to get um, any sort of links or anything that you know that you all want to plug. Um, we can do that. Sounds great. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for having me, guys. Have a great yeah. day. Thanks again. You too. Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 Too.